this week on the podcast. Jonathan Vilma, we're going to talk about rookie QBs, what he's seen from the Colts because he had both games for Fox, also some Rams, and then his thoughts on the headliner of it all, Ravens and Chiefs. That's where I'll start with the good, the bad, and the maybes, college football headlines, and of course, life advice. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Something we're going to do throughout the NFL season. The good, the bad, and the maybe. Some things that I think are good and long-term good. Some things I think are bad and probably long-term bad. And then a good chunk of what we see on NFL Sundays is a bunch of maybes. Let's start with the good. I went into that Baltimore game just assuming you're going to lose because it's Kansas City. Mahomes hadn't lost Lamar. Mahomes, I don't think it lost in September. He hadn't thrown a pick in September. So like clockwork, you knew a pick was coming once they put that graphic up there. His September numbers are nuts. It was kind of like the Herbert red zone numbers where his career touchdowns versus zero interceptions in the red zone. As soon as they put that graphic up in the Dallas game, you're like, oh, here comes the red zone pick. Uh, nice win for Dallas, although the controversy towards the end. But this was, as I was taking my notes and I was crafting my thoughts on the outcome here, I kind of was crafting is like, you know what? I'm really, I respect the hell out of Baltimore's organization. They've got all these guys on IR. They've got this shuffling at offensive line. They've lost a couple bodies on the edge, and they still find a way to stay competitive. And, that, and look, Kansas City's just scoring at will, and it doesn't matter. Because if you think about like Harbaugh, who I think is obviously a really great coach, he's been there since 2008. They've had one losing season. And there was even a stretch a couple years ago where it felt like because it was getting stale that maybe there was a, a change to be made. And I kept thinking, like, look, if you're in the building and you still feel like he's the right guy and he's a really good coach, there's nothing egregious enough to want to move on from him other than just wanting to be new. So whenever that was, and I don't think it was dire, but that happening and them not making a change, again, you're seeing the consistency and the foundation that he's put in place with this staff, and just they'll rotate guys in, they'll lose guys, and they still find a way to be competitive. And then on top of it all, they win this game. And after losing the first week against uh, the Raiders in a really strange game where you're like, wait, is this good or is this just bad and it's entertaining as hell? I think it was the latter. Uh, this is perhaps a regular season win that you build something on here, and at least for Lamar to be able to say, hey, I finally got Mahomes. Um, a couple other things from this game. The D-line from Kansas City got worked throughout. We'll get to them. There's a bad section, remember. 
the fourth down video that I kind of jokingly tweeted out after everybody else did, I was thinking about doing a different caption, but I couldn't really think of anything. Be like, no, it's not that succession's getting slower. It's that you don't understand it. Anyway, it's that the fourth down deal, is anybody watching any football? Everybody's going for it on fourth down because it's cool now. And my point with it wasn't that it wasn't uncool to go for it on fourth down. It's that if you're not built to get it on fourth down, stop doing it. Stop doing it in your own territory. Tennessee had a moment where it feels like they go for it all the time. They didn't. Then they missed the kick. Then they went for it. And then they didn't get it. And then they tied it because they didn't go for two. When Tennessee's always like, now nah, they're just going to go for it. They're just going to go for it all the time. There's a lot of teams going for it on fourth down. And we're not sure yet. Hey, it's you can go for two. Are you good at it, though? You can go for it on fourth down. But have you been winning in the trenches all day long? Or are you just going for it now because of what the book says? And Baltimore has been talked about as one of these franchises that's like, no, 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 they, they have it all mapped out ahead of time and all these different things. Dude, they were going for it on fourth down no matter what. Harbaugh even told Burt Breer in the Monday morning quarterback last night and then into this morning, he goes, look, when we went into third down, we knew we had two plays here because at that point, Kansas City was going to get the ball back if you punt it. And to get the ball back and only need to get a field goal to win that game, you like Mahomes and the Chiefs' chances in that spot. So the video was fun. I still think in the aftermath of all the access that we're getting in some of these other sports, the NFL needs to find a way. If they want to step it up, which feels like a stale, hard knocks. If you want to step that up, what you need to do is get everybody's audio on a file throughout the course of a game and then edit it all together to tell us the story of a three and a half hour NFL game. And I want all of the audio and everybody to be mic'd up. Now, if you can't change that, you can't give us that because if you did it during the season, then you'd be giving away too much stuff. Just do it now and then give it to us in three years. Have it be this epic NFL production where we get everybody all the way. They're all talking to each other because when we get a taste of it, it's really fun and it's entertaining. And we all like it. However, it wasn't like Lamar was going to say no, and Harbaugh had already decided that he was going to do it. Hell, we've got Nathan Peterman looking at the sidelines on fourth and sixth saying, let's go for it. Everybody wants to go for it all the time in the history of forever. If you're actually playing and you're a quarterback, you always think you can get it. Lamar got it. They ran it down their throats. Lamar, huge win for him after a tough start on a couple of those picks. He settled in, and they took advantage of a Chiefs defense. Another good is just watching Kyler Murray. The numbers are terrific. I know he had a couple picks against Minnesota. Minnesota missed the kick game. Could have gone either way. Arizona's 2-0 against what we feel like are two sort of playoff neighborhoody teams in Tennessee and Minnesota. We could be wrong about that later on. But I'm just telling you, if you want to have fun, watch a Kyler Murray game. Uh, arm talent, I think Mahomes is the only guy that's ahead of him. And even Kingsbury had said, look, talent-wise, we're talking about a guy that was a top-10 pick in baseball and football. And Mahomes, who Kingsbury had in college, is maybe the only guy that I think he's in the same class with. I agree. I'm not going to say it's always as pretty. The decision part of Mahomes' game is still beyond where Murray's is. But remember, Murray was two different quarterbacks last season. This offense was two different offenses last season. Once the midway point, he had that shoulder injury. It was very clear watching it. So to see him healthy and another year of experience, the entertainment value out of Murray, if he's healthy all season long, it's one of the best watches you can have in the entire NFL schedule. Let's get to the bat. Zach Wilson, four picks, five on the season, tied with Trevor Lawrence, most picks in the NFL. And guess what? They're rookie quarterbacks. We have told you all summer and leading up, if you looked at uh, Shil Kapadia's incredible work on the EPA numbers for rookie quarterbacks going back the last decade plus, if you were a first rounder and you played, your average score as any of those guys was Andy Dalton. You were Andy Dalton. And look, Andy Dalton was better 
at being Andy Dalton years ago than he is at being Andy Dalton right now. The Zach Wilson picks, the first two I thought were tipped. The third one is like, what the hell are you looking at? What are you looking at? And I think once you get that flustered and you're freaked out and you can't really read anything and Belichick owns rookie QBs, uh, it's going to end up being a long day. The Zach Wilson thing is always going to be one of these deals where you know, when Drew Brees says this guy could be the best of the class, you're like, wow, that's Drew Brees saying it. And as I've told you, I've had so many people that do this for a living. I'm talking to like get paychecks from college and NFL teams. They're like, he's not any good. Zach Wilson isn't any good. It's two weeks into his career. I'm not saying that that's true. I did see a meme, though, guys, on social media, and it was like, how come Zach Wilson, he throws picks, but nobody says anything about Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow? Probably because those guys won national championships at major programs. Burrow looked pretty good and won a Heisman, and Zach Wilson played at a weak schedule uh, in a weird year with BYU. That's probably, I don't know, I don't want to jump to conclusions, but that might be why. And by the way, when you're with the Jets or you're with those New York teams, like you're just going to get you're just going to get trashed to a different level. And there was still a little bit more uncertainty about you from a non-name brand place, at least name brand, the level of the other two guys that the meme was complaining about. Staying on the bad topic, Kansas City's defense, as we came off of how good Baltimore's win was, Kansas City's defense last season was 22nd in weighted DVOA, so bottom third in the NFL. All right, just trust me, it's a bad number. The red zone defense, and I'm talking strictly touchdowns allowed. So what percentage of red zone defensive possessions, what pos- what percentage of those do you allow touchdowns? They allowed touchdowns on 73% of red zone defensive possessions last season. Worst in the NFL. And you know what? That number was so bad, they went 14-1 and one in Mahomes starts. Mahomes is the ultimate fixer, the eraser of all your problems. So when we look at this red zone defense, which now in this season has allowed eight touchdowns and eight red zone defensive possessions, 73% would be a huge improvement over where they are right now. The defense is bad. The defense wasn't good last year. But like I said, they went 14-1 and one in Mahomes starts. He can fix a fatal flaw. So when you hear people talk about the Chiefs D, which I don't know if it's going to get better anytime soon. It wasn't good last year. Uh, Fatal flaw. They don't have fatal flaws because basically nothing is fatal when Mahomes is there. One other part of yesterday, about an hour in, you're like, all right, two is out ribs. Would that start up the Deshaun Watson rumors to Miami? Um, he's probably going to end up getting traded, guys, even with everything hanging on on that story. Um, Baker looked like he lost his left shoulder at some point, but he came back in in a really weird game for Cleveland against Houston where they were in it. Tyrod's out. I think he's out in their next game. Carson Wentz went down, and then Dalton went down with a knee injury, and you're like, all right, what is going to happen here? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but that was a really rough stretch. It felt like an hour to two hours in because Wentz's injury there was the end. But after the early slate of week two Sunday games are done, you had a good chunk of teams going, do we have somebody healthy uh, to play the position? We'll finish with the maybes. After Jameis Winston has the game he had a week one against Green Bay, and I even had Trent Dilfer on, I don't believe if you're a turnover machine, all of a sudden you're not a turnover machine. I just don't. I don't. Uh, Jason Kidd is one of the rare guys who couldn't shoot that figured out how to kind of shoot later on in his career. Not to say that non-shooters can't become better at shooting, but usually don't go from non-shooter to like, hey, this guy's actually a threat from the three-point line. That is rare. It doesn't happen. I think it's the same thing with quarterbacks. But when Jameis has the opening week, you know, like, hey, Peyton's going to figure this out and all these different things. Uh, that was not the case week two against Carolina. Now, is it the Joe Brady factor who was with New Orleans, LSU, 
and then knew the stuff that Peyton wanted to do. Darnold's looked better. I mean, is that part of this where this just this game where everybody was looking forward to and that they were more prepared against New Orleans because of the Brady part of this? I don't know. Coordinator, like, I mean, there's plenty. There's there's film of what stuff does uh, people do too. So you know, I don't know if that's as big of a factor. But the Jameis reclamation storyline that one's on hold right now, and there's a maybe on there. Ben Roethlisberger. This feels more like a bad than a maybe, but I'll share with you. The eyes tell me it's bad, <laughs> and it's it has looked bad for two weeks. I went to some of the next gen stats, some of my favorites, where it's like yards. Plus or minus the sticks, right? So how often are you throwing short of the sticks or beyond the sticks of the first down marker? And I thought, well, Roethlisberger's got to be one of the worst in that category, right? Because when I saw, especially yesterday in that Raiders home loss, I'm going, yeah, I don't know, man. Like everything seems to be a four-yard kind of forward handoff and you do the rest of the stuff. Uh, And Pittsburgh can't run the football, by the way. Um, either. I think they're 30th in yards per carry right now. Roethlisberger's QBR is 26, but back to these other next-gen stats, because as I sifted through it, I was like, man, Roethlisberger isn't as bad in these as I thought. Whether it's yards to stick or the intended air yards, which is straight up like how long was the ball vertical from the line of scrimmage in the air? Because all my favorites are at the top, meaning the bottom of these categories. Throwing to the sticks, who's throwing short of it, it's all my guys, Dalton, Cousins, Jimmy G. Roethlisberger's numbers surprisingly weren't that bad. Um, but I'd imagine my eyes or the numbers will catch up to my eyes in this one because it's a continuation of what we saw last year. That great defense. Again, they lost Watt in this game. They lost Hayden. Uh, nice win by the Raiders. But they don't have the defensive depth. They can't run the football. And some of the Roethlisberger stuff, even though the numbers ended up not being as bad as I thought they'd be when I sorted them this morning, um, I think they're going to get worse. We finish this segment with numbers and then film room. A quick number for you. This is from Hembo at ESPN. He tweeted this out. The highest drive score percentage in the last two seasons, NFL average, is 40%. Number one is Patrick Mahomes. Number three is Josh Allen. Number four is Aaron Rodgers. Number five is Tom Brady. You left someone out. That's right. Derek Carr is second in the percentage of time drives lead to a score. Derek Carr at 48%. He leads the league with 817 yards right now. Nobody else has 700. Kyler Murray's second at 689. Max Crosby, their defensive end, is number one in defensive pressures two weeks in. I don't know if the Raiders are going to be awesome. Remember the kind of the, the Raider Gruden ride? Like, hey, we're all the Gruden jokes. Oh, don't worry. The Gruden jokes are coming at the end of the season. So I don't know if that cycle is going to happen again. We kind of pick and choose. So Rudy, we've talked about this. Like Kingsbury... If you don't like Kingsbury, you're just waiting for that kick to go through yesterday. And there's going to be some bad Arizona loss where something happens. It's like, ah, this Kingsbury isn't good. Gruden's that times a million because of all the money that he signed for. So, like, you've already made your mind up on Gruden. You'll never change your mind. But so far with Derek Carr, like, there's some numbers in there where I don't know that I've I've never thought he was a top five guy. I don't think I've ever had him in my top ten. There's a lot of numbers happening right now where you're like, do you guys realize how special these Derek Carr things are? But nobody's going to give Gruden credit because then they would have to change their mind. As we've established, no one, the rule on this podcast, no one changes their mind. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a coach, though. I mean, you could talk about Gruden. I don't think there's a coach that people actively root against more than Cliff Kingsbury. I just don't. I don't think they. I don't think people like how he got there. I think people think it's a Kyler thing. So, I, Gruden's Gruden the contract situation is a problem. But I think people are waiting when this thing inevitably probably turns south because they're not going to go undefeated. 
um, and it's a tough division, people will turn on Kingsbury again. Just wait. Yeah, Kingsbury's a, the prop, you know, the Texas Tech record, but like Zach Taylor's in a better position because he doesn't have the Texas Tech part on his resume. And you're like, so wait a minute. If Kingsbury coached Mahomes, like that's bad. That's that's bad because he went. I mean, the Texas Tech thing, look, they couldn't stop anybody forever. They just couldn't. I mean, it was gross. And that's why Mahomes threw the ball a million times. All right, last thing film room observation. I know everybody's upset about the taunting calls, but this is a little bit like the single digit thing. I, if you're not a Pro Bowl alternate, I just don't think you should be, you know, at the, at the very least, all pro, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl alternate, which is half the quarterbacks in the NFL each season. You shouldn't be allowed to have a single digit number. I could be wrong on that one. I need to know who you are. I need to be like, oh, yeah, that's a single digit guy. That makes sense. But now the single digits are so cool. Like, I love when the NFL is like, hey, you want to be cool this year? Let's let these guys finally have single digits. Everybody will realize how down we are. The streets will recognize that. Let's have single digits. The taunting part, though, has gone the other way where people are upset about the taunting. I don't know. My, my other deal with it, like, read um, for Sam, or excuse me, for Seattle on that deep ball, the A.J. Brown, where it was just overthrown and Brown couldn't catch it. And then Reed stood over him like he did something and taunted the shit out of him. I was okay with that taunting. I was. Like that kind of taunting where it's like you didn't even do anything. And he might have been a single-digit guy. Let's see if we can get IT on that. Um, and it's a Seattle corner, which that's not exactly their strong suit at this point. I, I was okay with that taunting. And the final thing is the shovel passes. My weekend of 23 hours of watching football was littered with everybody thinking they can now do a shovel pass because Kansas City did it. Most of you can't do it. Most of you can't do it. Now that everybody's maybe keying on it a little bit more or looking for it or not making a movement until the ball is out, these shovel passes need to be banned. Unless you're Kansas City. That's week two. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. It's like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time, said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand it's all in front of me, all done. I don't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options, to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. One of my favorites from ESPN, Jonathan Vilma, now with Fox Sports on the national broadcast. Had the Colts the first two weeks, so we'll be able to get to some Rams, Seahawks, also some Colts stuff. But the headliner of the week and what I started with, uh, Baltimore's win against Kansas City. Lamar hadn't beat Mahomes yet. It looked like it was going to be another Kansas City rollout, but we have questions about their defense. And then also just credit to how Baltimore found a way to stay in that game, stay resilient, get a fumble, come back, convert that first down. What did you see? What's the biggest takeaway from what was probably the biggest game so far this season? I saw a quarterback in Lamar Jackson who upstaged Patrick Mahomes by doing more with less. That's what I saw. You, you look at 
Patrick Mahomes, revamped offensive line, supposed to be better. You have two of the best receivers, Tyreek Hill, and then tight ends and, and Travis Kelsey. And yeah, they put up points, but couldn't get it done when they needed to. And it's a, it's a unique situation because usually, I, I being a defensive guy, I never say a team is offense first, but that's what the Chiefs are. And that's what they uh, molded to become offense first. And I saw the Ravens offense really outperform the Chiefs offense. And you say, well, it was 36-35 game. Yeah, it was 36-35, but look what Lamar Jackson has. He's down to his, like, 10th running back right now, right? All his guys from training camp are down. And somehow he finds a way with his greatness, his, his speed, his ability to win that game. And I look and say, all right, if you're going to be – I'm talking Kansas City now. If you're going to be an offensive-led, driven team – then you have to complement the defense accordingly. And what I mean by that is be a bend-don't-break defense. Be, you you got to do something to find a way to get the ball back to your offense or get yourselves out of these ugly situations defensively where it's really, you know, it's their fault that they lost the game, right? Kudos to the Ravens. Now, I guess I didn't mean to start here, but I, I guess I will, though. Like, we knew the Chiefs' defense wasn't good last year. Um, it is a disaster. I would say defensive line, like you're always kind of watching, you know, as you get better at watching football, you're watching the line of scrimmage, who's winning, who's winning. There was, and this is an offensive line, like I'd rather be missing all of my running backs than my entire offensive line and having to shuffle it all again. And then the Ravens even lost one of their D linemen. How can you consistently get beat like that? Like what is going wrong with Kansas City? I feel like they're never really disrupting especially as the game went on and guys get tired, but it didn't feel like they were disrupting. And even the time they sacked Lamar, it got called back anyway. So what were you seeing, at least in the trenches, where Kansas City just didn't seem to win enough? You know, I see a combination of the scheme and the players. So I'll start with the scheme. If you're going to, and I go back to, if you're going to be an offensive-led team, then have a very simple scheme defensively. Hey, look, we are a cover two, four, three defense. Boom. That's it. Right. And I'll revert back to Peyton Manning days with the Colts. The Colts knew it was Peyton Manning and that offense. And it was one of the most beautiful things we've all witnessed as football fans. Defensively, they were so simple. They were cover two. And that's what they're going to do. They had Dwight Freeney. He's going to get up the field. And you knew exactly where they were going to run. Right. And they kept it simple because they were like, look, we just know we have to hold our own just long enough and get the ball back to the offense. So if you're Kansas City, schematically, throw out all that extra nonsense. They got too much nonsense in there. Throw it all out and go basic. Be a very basic team and understand your role in this, this whole uh, shift to offense, Mahomes, wide receivers, et cetera. Then when, I, when we go to the players, you have good players. You got the Honey Badger. He's he's a legitimate player, all-pro guy. You have talent. So utilize them in their strengths all the time. Stop confusing them with uh, different play calls and different checks and all that. The players need to now step up. Tell the, tell the coaches what they want to do. Keep it simple and then get after it. Because if not, it's always going to be, well, often scored 50, but we gave them 51. You know, I was talking about how amazing Kyler Murray looked again and we know Mahomes can run when he wants to uh, Lamar it's it's been kind of a regular season 
thing where I think against you know playoff teams, there's always going to be part of me. When you were playing against somebody that was so good at running at the quarterback mm-hmm. position, what was the thing where you felt like, okay, this is the way I need to play? Because it's just say, hey, what do you do against Lamar? He's different than everybody else. I mean, he really is that good at making people miss. Uh, I just think he's special even in comparison to other special dual-threat quarterbacks. But what is yeah. it about that style of play that either scares you or you feel like in the end maybe you're going to have a chance? So we always felt like we would have a chance in the end because we always wanted to be the aggressor. So defensively, we said, if if you can run, then we're going to make you one-dimensional. We're not going to allow you to run and sit back in the pocket and throw 90-yard bombs on us. So we would pressure, 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 five-man pressure, six-man pressure, zone pressures, anything we could do to get him to do exactly what, and you say it's crazy, don't let him do what he's good at. But yes, let him do that because if he's running around scrambling for his life, yeah, there'll be a couple times he picks up a first down, 15 yards here, there. That's fine. But there'll also be a bunch of times where he throws an errant pass, an incompletion. He's scrambling. He stops this. And you, we've seen Kyler Murray do it. He stops, tries to whip one out, uh, you know, throws an errant, inter- an errant interception. So we said, we'll live with the two or three times that they break the pocket on a pressure and then they get a big game. We'll live with that as long as we continue to, to keep them flustered with the, menta- with the mentality in the game that, oh, God, these guys are coming at me again. They're coming at me again. I got to get the ball out because as good as all these quarterbacks are, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with your legs. You're going to win it with your arm. It's been proven year after year after year. Defensively, uh, I don't know if it's a penalty thing. I think we've seen that from the offensive line. Some of these RPO calls, I thought some of the announcers this weekend did a really good job being like, you know, a lot of these these O-linemen are kind of in no man's land. There was a really bad downfield offensive lineman call in that Ravens-Chiefs game against Baltimore. Ended up, you know, not hurting them. But there's there's guys getting behind the secondary. There, there just feels like there's a lot of sloppy football. And I don't know if it's just because it's new and I'm paying more attention and it's no different than other years, but more people are telling you with the lack of practice, the lack of preseason, that this is actually worse and it's to be expected. Yeah, what are right. you seeing the first we're two We're in preseason right now, bro. We're Unfortunately, that's where we are. We are watching ones versus ones, preseason games, preseason one, two, and three, right? And every year... And you just hit it on the head. Every year, it seems like it's getting worse. And its I wouldn't say it's getting worse. It's just so much more noticeable now, right? So I'd say about three or four years ago, we were just looking. We were like, man, you know, those first few weeks of football, it's just not good football, right? People couldn't really pin down why it wasn't good football. Then, you know, now everyone's looking and saying, oh, they can articulate. Why is it not good football? As you just said, defenders flat-footed, they're getting receivers running right by them because they're not used to the speed of the game. The tackling is poor. The angles are poor because they're not used to the speed of the running backs and the receivers. The offense is a little sloppy because they're not used to the speed of the defensive ends and defensive lines and the communication. So everything is about, uh, you know, essentially, you know, you're playing catch-up because you didn't do it in the preseason. You didn't have enough reps in camp. And so now these first few weeks, you're going to see these teams looking really sloppy, and it's it's not a good product, man. It's really not a good product, but it makes for high-scoring games, fantasy football. Everyone likes it, so they keep with it, right? 
Yeah, you've had the Colts, as we mentioned, the first two. I want to start with yesterday's game. I picked the Rams to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, it was not the stats. I mean, Stafford, statistically, his first game was like one of the best games he's ever had. It wasn't the case. I mean, this was actually a game. So when you left the stadium, you know, there's just moments you're like, okay, the Rams are in control, the Rams are in control. And Wentz is like watching a baby on a on a tightrope. And Come on. you're like, well, look, Come on, right? okay, well, go ahead. Give me your Wentz take. <laughs> Come on. So, you know, my, my Wentz take. I feel bad for him. I really do. I feel bad. You feel for him. bad for him. Okay. Why? Here, I feel bad for him because he was getting beat up in Philly. Offensive line was atrocious. He was getting beat up. He was turning the ball over. Everyone's killing Carson Wentz. And because he's a quarterback for obvious reasons. Yeah, but he he gets he puts himself in positions as he did again yesterday. Like he gets his ass kicked because he also lets it happen a lot too. Well, well uh Okay, with Philly, yes. I would agree with you with Philly. With the Colts, not so much. And here's why. The Colts were supposed to have, and, and still do, to be quite honest. Again, going back to these guys not playing in the preseason and stuff, they're supposed to have a really good offensive line. So as soon as Wentz gets traded to the Colts, my first thought was, okay, this is a fresh start for him, and he at least gets time to, to see the offense see the receivers progress in their routes, et cetera. Man, after watching those two games, Ryan, it was like seeing him in Philly all over again. I promise you, it was it was not his, not every time. It was not his fault every time. And so that's why I was like, ah, you're being a little harsh on him when, you know, he said it looks like a baby just I guess the off. shovel pass for a pick and the other shovel pass that was almost picked off where you just, yeah. he, he would be the kind of guy that like if he were falling in quicksand, he would he would like still be filling out paperwork. You know what I mean? Like he, would, which is in a way a compliment. But he just he's not going to give up. And then at times, like look, he got rolled up on that play. Whereas so that wasn't you know he got hit and you know, he was getting his ass kicked all over the place. And I, I think we've seen times where he hasn't protected himself well. I think we both agree there. I'll defer to you because you've had film and you've done these two games live, so you actually seem a little bit more bullish on Wentz long term if he's healthy again. I do. at some point. Okay, so that's that's good news then. You left this with two Colts losses, feeling better about the quarterback situation. I do. I feel good about the quarterback situation. I am concerned about the Colts offensive line situation, uh, particularly the right tackle. They had Julian Davenport. He's a backup uh, in for Braden Smith. He hurt uh, his ankle or his foot, right? And I, I watched Aaron Donald. You know, the, the best matchup was, and I was super excited for it, Quentin Nelson versus Aaron Donald, right? This is best on best. For those that don't know, Quentin Nelson has come in and literally took that offensive guard position by storm, like three-time All-Pro, regard as one of the best, if not the best, offensive guard right now in the game. And so Aaron Donald, we know about him, three-time defensive player of the year, super awesome um, at the D-tackle position. So that was the matchup, right? I was like, yes, I get to see great on great. Quinn Nelson had a pretty good game against Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald was disruptive. He had a pretty good game. So smartly, Aaron Donald goes to the other side. And he's like, all right, enough with this Quinn Nelson. Nonsense. I'm going to go... Pick up. I'm gonna go pick on Julian Davenport and Mike Lewinsky on the other side. And man, when I say it was like a bully stealing their lunch money every period, it was like, dude, Carson had no chance, bro. It was like if you go back and look, you'd be like, whoa, 
Julian had no chance against Donald. And in turn, Wentz had no chance because Donald is in his face all the time. And I was like, I, I don't I don't know what you do. Right. I don't, I don't know how you handle that. I don't know what you do for the Colts O-line. So that does concern me for that. What did you feel about the Rams long term then after watching them? I like the Rams long term. You you saw a team that they got up early um, defensively. They're facing a Colts team that you know it's not not bad. They're a pretty good Colts team. Uh, gave up some plays. They had the errant uh, you know punt that got hit. You know the guy snapped the ball, got hit, gave up a touchdown there. Uh, but then they still fought back, and it was a hostile environment. The Colts fans uh, they did a great job. They were as close to the 12th man in Seattle as they could be in that game. And I saw them figure out how to win. So, you know, your pick for the Rams in the Super Bowl, that's not a stretch at all. Not a stretch. If they stay healthy uh, and they stay hot, they got to get Daryl Henderson back. I know he was, he got banged up in the game. They stay healthy. That's a good pick for a Super Bowl. Seattle put it on him in week one. And, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those deals where you look at the two final scores and look, the Colts got up against the Rams. You know, Rams end up kicking the field goal, go up 27-24. Uh, Wentz gets hurt at the end. He can't come back into the game. Seattle felt like, okay, they're totally in control of this thing. And then that score doesn't look as bad, you know, removed from it because that's kind of the way it works. Like, we'll go back and look at it and be like, oh, you know, hey, it wasn't that bad when it was 28-10. But Seattle's defense, which we were worried about coming in, especially that secondary, into the season, um, to see what happened to them against Tennessee, where they felt like they were in control of that game. And then Tennessee could just move the ball. Will Derrick Henry actually went off, so it wasn't even really the secondary. Give me your Seattle take having them live. The Seattle, what I make of that Tennessee game is the Seattle team they were reading the press clippings of how dominant they were against the Colts. And I, I don't want to say just kind of rolled into that game versus Tennessee, but they, they very much felt like they belonged or they arrived, right? And that is probably the worst thing you can do on any given week in the NFL is read your press clippings of how awesome you are and then think that you've arrived for that next week. That's what it looked like against Seattle. They're not that bad defensively. And frankly, they're probably not that good as they played against the Colts defensively. So there's somewhere in between and they have to recognize that and they have to stay sharp every time. Third and long. Who are you most afraid of right now in the league? You're still playing linebacker. Quarterback. Uh, as a quarterback? Third, yeah, third, third and seven. Who who concerns you the most that's still playing? And I, you know what? You can't say Mahomes. You can't I can't Mahomes. say Mahomes. Okay, so okay. Get, Mahomes would be one. Who else? Mahomes, number one. Rodgers, number two. Mac and Jones, Mike, three. Wait, who? No, I'm just kidding. I'm thinking in my head and then it just processed that you said I was like wait whoa what no 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 hell no wait what no I don't oh, think it's Mac Jones three either I just, no. <laughs> just throwing some names at you uh I would say early in the season Kyler Murray number three and then wow you then then no, it's Brady? Like a, another tier after Brady who? Brady's below these guys Brady's below the guys because with Brady, you know, 
if you can lock up his first option, usually it's Gronk, but if you lock up his first option and you can roll your coverage over to Evans or Godwin, that's it. He's done. Right. And it's easy for me to say because I'm, you know, I'm not playing, but we used to do that with guys like him, uh, Matt Ryan, where we were like, all right, your first option, we're going to literally double him and make it very, very obvious that we're doubling him. And now you got to go somewhere else. And we felt like, all right, that's somewhere else. If our corners, if we felt like it was a good matchup with our corners, we were fine. We let it go. And then we, you know, try to blitz or do what we need to do. Or we just roll the other safety over, right? And help on that side. So it's like, all right, you have option one, Brady. You know you're getting, getting that doubled. Option two, we got the safety rolled over there. You're not going to take off and run. So now it's just a matter of how quickly can we get to him before he finds option three or four, right? The, with the other guys I mentioned, you know, they start to really s- scramble, extend the down. They, you know, Mahomes can pick up a first down as easily as he can throw it. Um, he can run with it. So those guys are the ones that scare me. Was there a quarterback that you played against that, you know, wouldn't be the first name from your generation to be like, oh, this guy was the best. But like okay. you just found a way, like almost like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type, somebody who you were like, look, I know he's never going to go down. He's going to be in a couple different teams. But he was so much smarter than you get credit for. He was somebody that found a way to always kind of challenge us a little bit more. I mean, Fitzpatrick's maybe not the best example because his big thing is that he'll just let it fly. Like if you look at some of the Fitzpatrick, like tight window challenge throws, covered receivers, he'll just let it go. And that's why he'll have huge weeks and then other weeks where you're feeling like, hey, we got to bench this guy. Is there somebody that you can think of when you go back? Like, hey, it's not the headliner names, but this guy was somebody that always had me thinking as I was – because you're back there making the calls as middle linebacker. I mean, you were the leader of the defenses that you were on, so I imagine there's somebody that comes to mind. You know, it was really – there, there wasn't one person because back when, you know, I was playing, it was Matt Ryan faced him twice a year. It was uh, Jake DeLome on his down years, then Cam Newton. Um, and then it was, you know, a mishmash of jo- Josh Freeman back then. For the yeah, and Freeman had that one really good year, too. Yeah, he had one good year and that was it, right? <laughs> and uh, I couldn't even name the other quarterbacks that the Bucks had during that period. Uh, so in my division, no. And then I'm, I'm just thinking about, you know, through the NFC at that time, you know, it was Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you had, you know what? Tony Romo. Thanks for reminding me. Now, uh, do you call him a big name? Uh, he's a big name now, but was he? Would you consider him a big name back then? I thought he was really good. Um, so the the non playoff thing, like he was always putting up some numbers. I think the thing that always kind of made me laugh about Romo is that every time he threw a pick, it was an it was a fucking lock that the camera would go to him and he'd look at the receiver and go like this and motion his <laughs> hand like he cut off oh, the route. Never his fault, right? Yeah, Romo, Romo was brilliant. Every time there was a bad throw, <laughs> it was just Fox would be like, now get it on Romo. And he'd have this annoyed look, and he would always make some hand motion that made yeah, you think he it knew. was always the receiver. You know, he was built part, for TV. He, he was probably on the he was probably doing this and then like mouthing, my bad. My bad. <laughs> no, I don't, you know what Romo my was bad. great with? Romo when he would step like there was, you know, the 
the chance to watch Brady as close as I did because I was up in Boston for as long as I was, and that's all we would talk about. And then I just kept watching him because, you know, it's a team that I grew up with. I like talking with my family about him and stuff. When you could see Brady step in the pocket, you knew it was a completion before it was even out of his hands. Like, you could tell with Brady, at least that's the way I always felt about it. Like, I watched him so much. I knew, oh, wow. Okay. And it, well, the ball wouldn't even be out of his hands. I could tell by his his footwork and the lead up in his mechanics. I was like, he's got something. Yeah. Romo was really good, I always thought, at stepping up into the pocket. And he was quicker and he was more athletic than some of the more traditional pocket guys. Um, but clearly, you know, he couldn't stay healthy there towards the end. I always thought he was really good with pressure. I just, I, I did think he was somebody when so, he was healthy. He was a guy that was, I agree with you. He was a guy that was very good at identifying the pressures, the blitzes, and maybe it's because he he just didn't want to get hit, right? So he made it a point to identify where where the blitzes were coming from. He was really good at doing that. Uh, so I, I will give him that. But if the run game was not there for him, you just you couldn't put it on his shoulders for fifty throws. At least when we when I played him, you couldn't put it on his shoulders for fifty throws. Like back then, it was Marion Barber. Uh, he was a heck of a back. Uh, offensive line was really good at the time. So when we were playing, it was always like, okay, like we got to stop the run first, first and foremost. And then, you know, we'll figure out Tony Romo and, and his checks and stuff like that. Okay. So this is a good, this is a good lead in then, because as you said, like Tony wanted, especially as it, it kept going and he wanted to keep playing um, yeah. from everything I heard, he wanted to keep playing. And, you know, there's certain teams are just like, we're not sure we can protect you anymore. And yet there's Cam who I don't think ever cared whether or not he got hit. I just don't think he cared. Are you surprised Cam doesn't have a job right now? Ooh, good question, Ryan. So at first I was surprised. And then I saw that Cam interview where he was like, I was shocked that I got released, but I get it. And then it made sense what he said, right? He he said that he's going to inadvertently be a distraction whatever team he goes to, he's going to be a distraction. And the he said because of his aura, because, because of his aura. aura. He said because yeah. of his aura, but it's not his aura. But it, I'll give you a great example because the first team I thought of when he said that are the Chicago Bears with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. I said, huh, I see what he's talking about because as soon as Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton can't fart wrong right now and you have not just the chicago fans you have literally all of the nfl fans whoever has it's everybody any, you're right yeah, literally everybody saying start justin fields start justin fields start him and he don't stinks and i'm like man you know what cam has a point because if he goes uh i, I think frankly right now a good spot would be the dolphins but before Tua got hurt let's say he went to the dolphins now you have to deal with Tua wondering, well, why did you bring him in? You have the fans in the media saying, hmm, there must be more to it. Why did you bring Cam Newton in? There must be more to, to Tua's play. Is it not good enough? Are you not happy with it? Blah, 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 blah. Then all of a sudden, God forbid, Tua doesn't have a good game. Now it's, well, when are you going to put Cam in? When are you going to put Cam in? When are you going to put Cam in? Right? So I can see why he said his aura, which less his aura, just who who uh his resume really is what i should say not his or his resume of former nfl mvp been to the super bowl clearly he has all the athletic ability to do it so you bring him on that is a message 
whether you want to believe it or not, it's a message to that starting quarterback about what they think of him. Yeah, I think that's well said. And by the way, I couldn't handle him on the Bears for more angst. I don't want that to happen to Bears fans. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens <laughs> with the Dalton thing. And yeah. for Cam, if he wants to play, I thought he actually did a really good job with New England as far as a locker room guy. Uh, from everything yeah. I've heard, from guys that were around it all the yeah, time. Everything was like, positive. You know what? Yeah. He, if you thought he was going to come in with his ego and be pissed off all the time and all this stuff, it actually wasn't the case. Yeah. Um, he clearly could have done a better job on some of the protocol stuff, but it's challenging. And then as far as these injuries playing out, it depends on what role he wants to accept. Uh, as we have more injuries, and it was almost disastrous there about that first hour window. And then as the yeah. first window closed up, you're like, wait a minute, we got five or six guys going down right now. I saw somebody say, hey, be fair to Cam. We don't know that he could have been offered something already. Maybe. All right. Maybe. But here's the deal. If I were repping Cam and I know my guy wants a job, then I would be leaking that he has interest. Like I would say, hey, he was legitimately like contacted by this many teams. Even if it wasn't true, I'd be doing that to try to create an urgency for the market there. All right, uh, rookie quarterbacks, because we have a bunch. Um, Mac Jones, as we mentioned, you know, it's kind of a running defense. Don't screw it up. Roll for him. That's what it's going to be like. I think all year. Hey, Ryan, let me just stop you real quick. None of them are ready. None of None. them. None of them. Well, Trey so Lance, maybe. Wait, you think Trey Lance is the most ready out of all of them? Uh, they they all look like rookie quarterbacks. And some say, well, what does that mean? It means these guys are coming in. They have their eyes like deer in the headlights. They think they know what's going on. They don't really know what's going on. They know the offensive play. Do they know it to match every defense and every defensive scheme? Hell no. And you can tell because of the way that they move, their body language, and how they're stuck at looking at one side of the field for way too long. Then they try to go back to the other side. They're either getting hit, scrambled, throwing a duck. I mean, it's just none of them are ready, man. They're not. They're not ready. I'm a big fan of <clears throat> sit these guys like Aaron Rodgers sat, like Tom Brady sat, like Patrick Mahomes sat. Sit these guys and let them get used to what it what it really is to be an NFL quarterback. And the only person everyone always says, oh, yeah, well, look at Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is a, a cyborg. He's a different being. Like, you can never equate anybody else to Peyton Manning and what he did. He took his lumps first, and he started from day one and became the best quarterback ever. And Brady fans will argue that. But the point is, that's not the norm. The, the norm should be sit these guys because they're not ready. What's your favorite let's eat feast moment against a rookie quarterback where you're like, this guy sucks. Huh. And we're, oh, we're, man. We're this, uh, no, I'll never forget. This was, I had two actually. Cam Newton, his rookie year, we're just blitzing him, blitzing him. And then I'll never forget. I go to the sideline and I'm like, Greg Williams is my DC at the time. And I'm like, you know, Greg, I don't think he can tell when we're in cover two or cover three. And he's like, you know, I've been seeing that too. And I said, I swear, if you just tell, it was Roman Harbor at the time. I was like, you just tell Roman to, come, to just stay high and come down late into our cover three. I promise you he's going to throw a seam route and it's going to get picked up. So he's like, okay, we talked about on the sideline. This is third quarter. I'll never forget. Talked about on the sideline. We're like, all right, Roman, just stay high. And then when the ball snaps, just run down into your zone, and I promise you, he's going to throw a pick. Sure enough, Cam Newton gets the ball, set hut, 
he looks, he saw too high, so he just assumed it was cover two. And so naturally, the seam route, which is like right on the hash, in between the hash and the numbers, down the middle of the field, that's usually what's the soft spot in the zone. So he literally goes, he, had, he saw cover two pre-snap, did not think to even look back at the safety coming down, and sure enough, rifles it right in for an interception. And I was like, oh my God, this is just too easy. I was like, I can't, I can't believe it is literally this easy right now. Uh, you know, we end up beating them, blowing them out. But, you know, that was an easy let's eat moment because everyone talks about the physical. They're so physically talented, all these guys. It's the mental part. You, If you screw them up mentally and you get them all jacked up, it doesn't matter how fast you can run. You're going to throw picks. Uh, and then, you know, Mark Sanchez, we just blitzed him so many times. When we were working at ESPN, he told me, he said, dude, I thought you guys had like 13 guys out there. <laughs> it was like, I had never been hit so many times, dude. That was crazy. And I was like, yeah, man, we just, we were like, blitz him nonstop. Just don't stop. Just get, keep going after him. He just couldn't pick it up. Sanchez couldn't. It, it was, it's just too much to process. Like, that's why I think these guys should sit because. You, it, we were always like our thing was same as same as right so same blitz just insert a different player so for us it was conceptually everything was always the same but instead of our safety blitzing this time it's our weak side linebacker instead of our weak side linebacker it's our strong safety uh if, if we had a nickel in there it would be the nickel so it would always look different we're moving around trying to make it look different it's the same stuff but for a rookie they're like what the hell is going on all I see is everyone just walking around and I don't know what the hell's going on. And sure enough, wow, blitz comes and he's getting hit in the back of the head. You know, the way you just described the same as thing, though, and if we can go a little deeper on it, it because I'm going to ask is somebody who doesn't fully understand, but is that about the communication with the defense where it's like, okay, strong side, tight end, okay, I went last time, but now you're going. And then if the safety's coming and you're on the outside, you're like, okay, look, I'm, I'm now, I've got the tight end. And Sanchez has no idea. Like, cause he could motion him and it looks like, man, cause somebody's following him, but you already know pre snap who's going and who's staying. And I imagine there has to be like a lot of trust. Like, you couldn't be implementing that week one with seven new guys on defense. There has to be, um, there has to be amazing communication where you can just make eye contact and know who's going, who's staying. And so honestly, it doesn't even matter really what the pre snap read is as long as you guys know, correct? 1,000%, Brian. Uh, you, you explained it very well. I don't even have to really dive in too much more besides saying we also were predicated on the matchup with the tight end or that slot receiver. So if we felt like our linebacker and our safety and me and our nickel can all cover that tight end, then we could just rotate who's going to blitz. It didn't matter. Um, but if it were, you know, a Tony Gonzalez, and we, we would be more selective on who's coming. But uh, we, would, we would definitely do that, especially with the nickel versus the slot receiver. If we felt like our safety was a good cover as well, we would bring everyone down into the box. And then just we'd be like, all right, this time you are going to cover them. This time you're going to cover them. And then next time, and that, that's exactly how we would do it. Exactly. And that becomes a personnel thing, too. It's like, okay, if you have the flexibility of positions where you could get in turn and run with somebody, but you could also, you know, you could take somebody out too. And if your corner's quick enough, but then the safety isn't going to get beat coming down. Cause you know, some of those safeties, maybe from your air, maybe even going back, like 
I love Rodney Harrison, but there came a time where you weren't going to have him come run down to a slot and you right. wouldn't want you you to be doing that all game is, right. is the True. point. Like, so True. that that's also, you know, it also speaks to the versatility of the talent. All right. Two more things before we let you go. It appears the U is not back again. Oh God. How are we doing? How are we doing with your Kings? How do you think we're doing with the Kings right now, Ryan? I'm just allowing you the floor. I'm not. I, there's no victory lap. In this. I don't. I don't. I don't, care I, I don't. My mother taught me if you have nothing good to say, <laughs> don't say anything at all. <laughs> all right. You're still down there, though, right? Full I'm time? still down here. I actually just went and worked out there, and I, I wait, 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 wait. Back, back up. What happens when Jonathan Vilma, legend, shows up to work out after <laughs> after this kind of weekend? So you know what? It's actually very, very civil, and Here's why <clears throat> I as much as I love the Canes and I want to see them do well and I get as pissed off as anybody when they lose, especially the way that they've been losing. I still respect the coaches and the time that they put in and all of that jazz. So I'll leave it there, Ryan. So I go in, I get my workout, I do my thing. If anybody asks my opinion, I'll tell them. If you're not asking my opinion, I'm just going to keep working out. And move on. So it's safe to say nobody asked you how you felt today. I think they smartly realized it was nothing good was going to come out of asking me how I feel or what's my opinion on it. So, all right, okay, all right. That's that's a prideful alum right there. I have okay. nothing good to say. Let's just move on, right? <laughs> <laughs> good talking to you, man. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. I want to do some college football headlines here because I think the headline, the headline is... As we've asked, this cyclical thing that I always expect to happen where eventually these top teams don't look as good. We had one of those weekends where the top teams didn't look that good. So what does it mean? Let's get to it. Bama survives at Florida 31-29. Start the game. We're like, oh, here we go again, Bama. No chance. They're up 21-3. Uh, Emory Jones, who I'd imagine most of you Gators fans have wanted benched um, at some point, especially for Anthony Richardson, who apparently with a the hamstring, they were going to put him in this game. But then something happened. Florida kept running the football. They averaged six yards per carry. They went over 200 yards, held Bama to under 100. That's never happened since Saban got there uh, in 2007. The Bama versus running quarterback thing is one of the dumbest observations ever. This team barely loses, and they lost like Heisman winners and Deshaun Watson. 
Um, and it's like, oh, you know, Bama, they struggle with those running QBs. You know what? They don't really struggle against anybody. It's just like anybody, they're going to lose a game every now and then. So I don't know that's going to happen. I guess we'll find out against Ole Miss in a couple of weeks because Ole Miss has put huge numbers. Uh, but Bama, for the first time, by just allowing yards on the ground, you're like, wait, do they have a major problem here? I'd say the problem for everybody else is I think Bama still has the personnel to go ahead and fix this. And sometimes I wonder, you're up 21-3. Did you think, hey, we're just going to roll over these guys? But uh, Bryce Young at least stayed composed throughout this. And I am I was impressed with Florida, even though now Dan Mullen's 0-11 against Saban. Clemson, we knew the D would be awesome. The D has been awesome. Zero offensive touchdowns by FC, uh, FBS schools allowed this season. Remember the seven they gave against Georgia was a pick six. They beat Georgia Tech 14-8. to Now, it was a weird game. If anybody's watching, there was a weather delay forever in this one. Yes, it was weird. They beat Georgia Tech 73-7 to last season. And they had to get a fourth down stop to win this game. I have no idea. At quarterback, I thought with DJ, like, hey, I saw him in those games just like you did last year. He'll be fine. <laughs> there, I, I read a bunch of like the Clemson local stuff and – and the offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott, was like, look, they dropped a bunch and, you know, they look totally different. We prepared for them differently compared to what they were last year. But like, wait a minute, they made adjustments after they gave up 73 points last year. So I don't know what to believe. I mean, I was reading something else where they're like, oh, no, they were, they were stuffing the box and they were daring DJ to throw. And I was like, wait, wait, somebody's saying they dropped eight and then somebody else saying they, they stacked the box. I'll admit, I wasn't watching every single snap of that game. But now you have a Clemson offense where they are 107th nationally in yards per play. There's no way that's true. There's no way that part of, of this is real. Georgia's defense, real. Smash South Carolina. They put in the quarterback that got replaced by the graduate assistant because the graduate assistant who was supposed to be on the coaching staff was the starter, and then somebody stepped on his hand. Um, Georgia looks a little scary here. But like we've pointed out, the strength of schedule that's remaining, statistically it shows it a lot stronger. Maybe it's Florida. You know, maybe Florida is good enough to make that game. Um, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and just be like, hey, there's no way Florida can beat them. I mean, that'd be stupid. But I just don't think there's enough depth in the rest of the schedule for us to be scared. And it actually leads to the thing that nobody wants to hear outside of the SEC. If Ohio State, who we're going to get to, Clemson or Oklahoma, we're going to get to, if those teams are struggling a little bit, um, you know, could you have, if the SEC title game were two undefeated teams, it's like, actually, this doesn't matter. I know, I hope, send that clip directly to Canel. Ohio State, they admitted after their game against Tulsa, which was a game, don't be scared or uh, tricked by the final score here where they get a couple touchdowns late. This was a game. This was a game for the Buckeyes. And apparently, too, I'd read the worst attendance in, I don't know, how many years, a couple decades at the old shoe. I don't know, maybe it was just, hey, whatever. Tulsa will be here for the rest of the Big Ten games. They changed their defensive play caller from Kerry Coombs to another assistant. Uh, the defense was not the issue here. But since defense has been the issue the first couple weeks, it's kind of funny that like I was watching a halftime show and the guy was criticizing Ohio State's defense again. And I was like, dude, they've given up six points in this game. Now, there were times where I felt like the real problem was wasn't defense, I don't think, in this game. Their offensive line isn't what I thought. So we already had the real concerns about the defense. We'll see what happens. But the offensive line losing in the trenches to Tulsa at times. So they would run a play and it would get blown up. And now for the C.J. Stroud crowd, who were like, look, it's his first start ever. It's a night game. Everybody's watching against Minnesota. And then he throws for, what, four or five touchdowns in the second half against them? Huge plays left and right. It's fine. 
This is now three games where C.J. Stroud's gotten off to a slow start, and there's no excuse. Maybe it's the O-line part of it, but as far as the weapons, he's got two first-rounders in Olave and Wilson. And Jigba's really good. His tight end's a pro. And I think Trevion Henderson, the, the freshman running back, who was the number one recruit at that position in his high school class, he might be the best running back in the country. I believe he broke Archie Griffin's record in three quarters this weekend. So C.J. has some weapons but he's getting off to continuous slow starts and the defensive thing is still a work in progress. So those are real concerns. Oklahoma, 23-16 against Nebraska, a Nebraska team that was actually missing kicks left and right. Uh, Rattler has regressed. The stats back it up. It may just be the first month of the season. Maybe not a, not a big deal, but like Tulane was a weird game for them. They smashed Western Carolina 76-0, but this is not the Oklahoma we're used to. This is not the Oklahoma we expect, like, 22, 23-point favorites against Nebraska. Final thought here, and that's Penn State. Great atmosphere. I've been to Happy Valley a couple times. It is terrific. Auburn coming in, the SEC part of this, which is kind of funny because the Alliance news about what the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC are going to do, it's like, wait a minute, this is going to happen. I was reading a quote from a writer being like, you know, Jim Delaney, who was the commissioner of the Big Ten, was like, you know, you need to test yourself against the best by not playing SEC schools because they were mad about their expansion. I don't know how many of these games we're going to get. And again, this is years in advance because there's still so many games that are scheduled out. Ohio State, Alabama, you know, it's like in five years or something like that. Um, I like Penn State as a physical team. I like a couple of their guys on defense. Jahan Dotson's a matchup nightmare for them on offense. Uh, how physical they were against Wisconsin carried over into this Auburn game. So that part was real. I'm never going to be a huge Clifford fan. Uh, I'm probably less of a fan of Bo Nix. And as good as this win was against a ranked SEC school and your Penn State, and that's great. And like the weird part is, I'll admit, and probably a lot of you are too, I'm hesitant to get off the Ohio State thing. But we could be staring at, on a Saturday night, the best team in the Big Ten. We just don't know it yet with Penn State, even with the, I think we'd all agree, some limitations there at quarterback. But everybody likes the offensive coordinator. Maybe it gets better and better. Who knows? Who knows? I, I know the, the positivity game you could play with this if you're a Penn State fan. But we could be staring at the best team, and we just can't give up on Ohio State yet, even though the, the visuals of it, like, are they really that much better? I know what the recruiting rankings say, but are they that much better than Penn State? And by the way, Penn State's far from any kind of slouch whatsoever with Franklin there in the recruiting. But if I'm being honest with myself, hmm? Auburn's what? The fifth, sixth? Are they the seventh best team in the, in the SEC? Bama, Georgia, Florida, A&M. Calzada was much better in his second game. Ole Miss and... I'm telling you, LSU looked like a completely different team. Completely different team this weekend. You're like, oh, that's where all the NFL guys are making plays. I have nothing to add to UCLA's disappointing loss uh, for the Pac-12's chances of getting into the playoff. And by the way, Oregon, Stony Brook, little <laughs> feeling yourselves a bit after that win in Columbus. And my final college football thought, Jackson Dart, true freshman, USC. USC's up at the Palouse, down 14 nothing. You're like, wait, you guys are this flat? Um, Slovis is hurt. This Jackson Dark guy comes in with a little bit of the brave heart over his, what was it, his right eye. 
He has. You want to talk about Carson Wentz not knowing how to protect himself? I thought this kid was going to get killed. I thought he was going to be dead by the third quarter. Instead, they go 45 straight points, all sorts of energy. London, who actually left with what was a tough hit when he got tackled on a touchdown, he had a monster game. So there's some juice to this kid, Jackson Dart, if you get a chance to watch him. Um, I'd be running film with him right now if I were on that staff being like, okay, here you almost get killed, this one. But he didn't care. And I think that's what would happen. Like if you were a sick high school recruit and everything's worked out and you're playing at the next level, you're not going, hey, I'm not supposed to make that throw. You don't know any better. You're like, I'm throwing this fucking football all over the place for the next three hours. Let's go. And that's what he did. And who knows? Maybe the spark USC needs to kind of turn some things around and be competitive in this Pac-12. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate? Hate is after lunch, there's all this time before dinner. I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like, you should. Gain season. Throw in a little something extra, an appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food buddies. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Before we get into life advice, I want to ask you guys a pretty simple question. I ordered wings delivered to the homestead here for the first time in a decade. You don't strike me as a wing guy at all. College. When I first, the first time I ever had wings was in college. And I remember being like, wait a minute, what the hell is this? This is the most amazing. Again, you know, back then the Buffalo position globally wasn't, wasn't as large as it is now. I remember just being like, Hey, how come this isn't a bigger deal? These things taste amazing. And then we had a late night place. And I remember one of the hottest girls that we went to college with, sorry to be so shallow. She was absolutely gorgeous. And I remember I was bartending one night. She was a year behind me, I think. Yeah. And I was bartending and she was like, Hey Ryan, can I grab the phone? Again, we didn't have cell phones back then kids. And I was like, wait, what are you doing? I'm like, are you calling a cab? I was like, I can get you a cab. It's not a big deal. I was like, just, I probably was like, Hey, just wait, hang out with us. We'll, uh, we'll get you a cab. Um, and she's like, no, I don't need a cab. She's like, we have, we're just going to walk back to, she's like, I like to order wings. And then by the time I get back to the my, my, yeah, she would have, I don't think she would have been in the, yeah, she was old enough. She wouldn't be in the dorms. She's like, once I get back to my apartment, the wings, like, I won't have to wait 45 minutes. And when guys heard that, they were, they were like, 
they were pricing out rings. Guys were just like, you've got to be kidding me. And we're like, what's your order? And she's like, well, I usually go two dozen because a dozen isn't enough. And the thing is, you just you just couldn't believe it. We're like, you smash almost two dozen wings at 2.30 in the morning after a night out of drinking. And you are so efficient that you order them from the bar before you go home so you don't have a wait time. Like, I don't know. I imagine she probably ended up running a company. But we don't, I was say, don't that's know a better move. What's she up to nowadays? You keep in touch? Don't. Don't okay. keep in touch. Okay. Don't keep Bummer. in touch. The one that got away. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You could say you could say that. So yeah, I ordered them up, Kyle. And I, I kinda I was like, I just I don't know. It was, must have been the Buffalo Wild Wings ads. And I just like, you know what? I'm gonna do it. Like I love the taste of it. I just haven't done this. And the place I ordered them from, there's one place that makes really good ones. Cause I was like, I don't want to screw around. I want to go in this blind. And then I guess there's like a backup place too, which I know doesn't sound like it makes any sense, but just trust me on this one. And then they rolled in and they were the frozen ones, which again, most of them are frozen at this point. But if you ever want to really do them right, the home kits, you get it never frozen, never frozen. And they showed up and they were like the bulk grocery store freezer bag ones and just plain, plain with, with, side deal that you had to kind of do on your own. And they were awful. They were so bad. And thank God, for whatever reason, they gave out six, which tells you their entire wing distribution situation is a disaster to begin with. So I was like, wait, I just ordered these and only six showed up. And the funny thing was, I was like, I'm glad it's only six because these sucked. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, when we were younger, used to do it. I still would probably do it in Boston every now and then. But I think once I moved, so that's probably, I don't think I've ordered wings to a home since 2008. And then, uh, yeah, we did it. We did it a decade later. Major disappointment. Kyle? That's funny that you just said that because I just, I was away for a couple of days. And when I came back from the airport on Thursday night, when I was about 20 minutes left to go, I ordered from my wing spot. So they would be there five minutes after I got home. Um, so funny that you said that. That's what You're I like said. the hot girl from UVM. You guys are I, the same. Yes. That's exactly how I describe myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And you get what? and you get two dozen because the, the wings for breakfast. All right, what? Or, lunch, or late a late breakfast, uh, early lunch. I can, I save like I save like six to eight for the next day. <laughs> just snacking, huh? Big leftover guy. Yeah, I got a toaster oven, so you know I just I won't I won't microwave them. Um, I'll throw Smart. them in the toaster oven around four hundred degrees. Just throw them in there till they sizzle. Pull them out. Good to go. Eleven a.m. Couple wings. Get your day started. <laughs> Wings and coffee. We had, when we were all living in our fraternity together, we had catering and somebody was like, oh, I got this place. It was unbelievable. And guys were like, yeah, I kind of like their food. And it was like a sub salad pizza wing place. And after like a few weeks of it, guys were like, look, this sucks. Like it's, we already eat bad enough. He goes, but these guys are showing up like 10 dozen hot wings at 11 a.m. on a Friday because they want their day to be done. And guys are like just waking up because Thursday was always the biggest night. I mean, it was it was pretty much foregone conclusion. Friday wasn't going to be a huge educational day. And even guys in their 20s or like 20, 21, 22 going, hey, we can't we can't start a Friday morning with a dozen hot wings and pepperoni slices like I already, you know. Granted, your hangovers when you're that young are pretty much temporary, but I always thought that was kind of funny that even guys at 20 went, I can't wake up and eat wings 
every like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. In the 90s, huh? Wow. Yeah, 90s guys were out of control. We used to call October Rocktober. I don't even know if people do that anymore. That's awesome. That's really I'm awesome. Con- I'm confused. Thanks, thanks you, Kyle. <laughs> you acted like were, were wings new on the scene when you were talking like you were talking about how in college you discovered wings and you're like, oh, my God, how, how are you know, aren't more people talking about this? Were wings not on the scene in the early 90s? Not even close. Not even close. Really? To what this is. Like the idea that like, people could. I guarantee somebody's going to say I'm wrong about this because this is the way I'm telling you as an observer of things, one of the great observers of our times. Like nobody also had wings. So the whole thing blew up kind of in the mid 90s where all of a sudden now all these pizza places were like, oh, let's throw wings on top of it, too. I mean, that's just that's just what it was. And then boneless and then buffalo sauce and all this kind of stuff. And then subs like the buffalo saucing of things. That's a that's a mid 90s on deal. Like guys were eating them. Clearly, I'm not saying no one ever had them before, but I had never had them. But again, I don't count because of Martha's Vineyard, but I'm saying the national Whatever you're, if you had stock in wings in the early 90s, you'd be retired by now because it just wasn't as big of a deal. Wow, it's crazy. I know you guys aren't going to believe me, but there's there's that generation. All right, let's yeah. get to some. Do we have anything else we needed to add to anything? Because I just feel like I want to check in with you guys a little bit more. Uh, I mean, I haven't worked all the math out, but Jimmy G seems like a good first quarter position. I know we've still got two <laughs> weeks, but it doesn't sound so crazy. I saw some pretty offensive memes about me being a dummy, but who knows? I might be able to get out scot-free. I think you got a good price on him. It was about pricing an opportunity. It wasn't about, you know, who the quarterback is. And you figure that out immediately, Kyle, even if you're eating leftover wings the next day just to get your day started. Shout out. <laughs> it's a really smart. I would say that's a conundrum, though. Like if I get leftovers and I because I'm with you, Kyle, I always order more than enough food because I want to eat it the next day. Right. If it's Chinese food or wings or whatever. And then when it's in your fridge the next day, I'm always like, oh, I have to wait till noon until I can eat this. But you're probably smart. Just eat it at 11. Who cares? Like nobody's watching me. Like if you want to eat wings at 11, eat wings at 11. I, I envy your freedom. Yeah, the circumstances are better. Sometimes Chinese food is better cold at 10 a.m. than it is reheated at 1215. I would say leftover Chinese food. Something you're 100 percent right can be better. Leftover, I, same thing I pretty with pizza. much order another entree just because with all the now with the apps, I don't want to talk to people on the phone, and I rarely have <laughs> cash to pay tip and full price. So I just go through the apps, and it's like, all right, so we've now added 12 to 15 dollars worth of fees. I might as well get another meal for tomorrow yep. because I'm already basically paying for another meal to get it here. It would be stupid to just get enough to eat right now. That's how I think. Here's what you so, do. General Sao's chicken, eat that for dinner. You have, and you buy lo mein, like a quart pint of lo mein, whatever you want. Eat that the next day, fry it up in a frying pan, a little bit of sriracha. Incredible, incredible leftover meal. That's doing Chinese food right. Always get more than you need. That's what I say. I'm not pushing back on any of this other than Saruti trying to slide in that pizza the next day sometimes is better. That's the dumbest thing. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, buffalo chicken pizza, sometimes it depends on like what your air fryer situation is, can 100% be better the second day. I don't know about that. Take There's my places. Word for it, dude. All right. Moving on. Disappointed now. Life advice, rr at gmail.com. Okay. Um, 27, single, 510, 170. Debating on if I should start a bulk or stay lean and athletic looking. 
Well, let us know how that goes. Anyway, I'm currently interviewing for a job that require one to three weeks a month of travel. So you could be traveling one, two, three weeks a month travel, Monday through Thursday. While I think it'd be cool to travel around the country and rack up the airline hotel points, I'm concerned about what this will do for my social life. I'm newly single and admittedly a fringe guy. The combination of the pandemic and my last relationship definitely knocked me down a tier in the college friend group hierarchy. Uh, well, that's the decision you made. As a guy who used to travel a ton for work, and I understand you realize that, but you know, some guys like I never was super into the guy that as soon as you get a girlfriend, then somehow he couldn't balance having friends. Like you have to be so about your girlfriend that you can't be friends with the rest of us. And so I would, yes, I would generally look down on that guy all the time. And then he would break up and he'd come back around and be like, Well, I have time for you again. Again, not like I'm in a relationship with the guy, but I just always be like, You can't. You never like you didn't want to hang out with us or you wanted to and you didn't allow yourself or she didn't allow you. So you let all of these things happen. I've just never understood a guy um, being like that. But again, I'll admit when I was in college and if I were dating somebody and I heard a football in the hallway, I was like a squirrel following light. So, um, you know, I'm also an idiot with some of the decisions I've made. So it was a guy who used to travel for uh, work a ton. It was asking me what would be a good way to go into this endeavor and still have some semblance of a social life. I'm trying to get back on the dating social scene and don't want trips to Albuquerque and Buffalo to constantly be plain date ruiners. Uh, I do really want this position. It's for a large company. It could further my career. In addition, the firm is known for hiring people around my age, so I'd expect my network to grow substantially just by working at this firm. I currently work in a very small office and essentially just see the same three people all week long. Thanks for the advice. Uh, gut reaction reading this, take the job. You're 27. You want the job. You think this is going to help your career. So all of those things are positives. Now, yes, it is going to impact your social life, but that's a decision that you can make because most of us end up kind of doing what we want, even if it's subconsciously what we want. You know, even if we say out loud, this isn't what I want, we'll end up kind of reverting back subconsciously to what we want. If you want to make sure your social life isn't at a zero out of 10, then that's up to you. I mean, do I, do I see you at 27 being creepy hotel bar guy? You know, sometimes I'll see those guys and I would feel bad for them now I'm their age. But I, 27 is kind of weird to be playing that, you know, like, yeah, you see that like 40 or 50 year old guy and he sees like a remotely cute younger girl and be like, oh, a couple of Cape Codders, you know, and it's just like, oh, Jesus, nice blow my brains <laughs> out. You know, like, I don't want to watch this happen here. Um, and I don't want that to happen to you, guy. But you're 27, so I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. And I also uh, think... I also think that if you really want to put in the effort, you could get on the apps and when you land somewhere and just be straight up. And if it's not just about hooking up for you, just be straight up like, hey, I'm traveling. I want to see some different stuff. Like if you force yourself to be the social version of you, the Vince Vaughn movie version, uh, which is very hard to pull off. And I'm not saying I can, uh, by any, but like you can, you can. Now, some people just won't have the social skills and they'll just be too shy and they'll have too much anxiety about it. They'll just overthink it a million times. But if you really want to make a concerted effort to not become a zero on the social meter here, you can do that, especially because it seems like you want this job this badly. And whatever the the end game is here for what your career goals are, I mean, I was a little different in that I didn't care about any of that stuff because I was like, as long as my career and all that stuff takes off and I'm, I'm secure to a certain degree then the rest will take care of itself and then i don't know a decade and a half went by and i was like oh, i guess i didn't really care about any of that other stuff um again i'm not the template i would say for anyone so don't follow that but i 
I always wanted to kind of take care of some of that stuff so that if I did get married and did start a family, that those things would be in place. Now, one of my close friends, as I think I've shared this once or twice before, was like, hey, why don't you share the journey with somebody? Like, isn't that kind of the point of this whole fucking thing? I was like, ooh, good point. A little late now. Whatever. Not a big deal. I didn't cry in my pillow that night. Uh, I just I, I just think there's times, again, I could be wrong here, but I think there are times like it seems like you're very career driven. You kind of have it mapped out here a little bit. I'd rather kind of figure that stuff out. And dude, you're only 27. And then if it's like at 30, you're going, all right, I'm really feeling I want that next element of it. Now, some people, again, like me, that's the plan. And then it just, your life just happens. And then you, you, you just, like I could have at some point said, all right, stop worrying about work, have more balance and all these things. I just didn't care. I just didn't care, right? If you're 27 and all the career stuff is telling you that you want to go ahead, and I would take this. Now, when you ask me about what it was like for me socially traveling, I would not compare your travel situation, going to Buffalo and Albuquerque with some company Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday, when I was traveling with ESPN and we had full-blown staffs and we had sideline passes and we were doing these shows, people came. Like my travel experience, even though I was traveling all the time, is not what the majority of other people's traveling experience is. So if you meet somebody home-based, be realistic about it. But it seems like you like this career option a lot I would say pursue it, but you know, you you dipped a bit on your friends as you admit, you know, relationships are a lot of work. And if you can find some balance to make sure you're just straight up with somebody about what your time availability is. And look, a lot of people say, Oh, that's cool. I'm the same way. And then like six weeks later, like you're never around, uh, which has happened to me a few times. But it's I just reading between the lines here, I feel like you care about the work thing more. You're worried about the other part, which is fine. But like, look, it's just gonna be up to you to not become a recluse. That's all. And there's options for you that weren't there you know, 15 years ago for everybody else that was traveling. And you're still young. So you're not going to be creepy guy, you know, going, oh, you know, don't let me get a third CC and ginger in me. Um, Kyle, you don't travel a ton for work, though, right? I did, actually. I did before COVID. I was going, you know, wherever Bill was going or it was Titus and Tate. Those guys were like going on road trips and stuff. That was super fun. And uh, he's 27, right? So that's actually, that's like my favorite thing to do is when I finish up work and then I'm just I like, I'll be like, I'll, I'm going to go to this weird bar and uh, I'll just sit there for my, by myself for like an hour or two, see what happens. Like you don't have to sit there all day. Like you're, you know, glued to the stool, but it's just nice to check out different parts of America and see how that goes. So like a have fun while you're traveling and B have fun when you're at home. Like if you're at home Saturday and Sunday, see if you guys want to go golfing once every two weeks. Like, just be able to have fun wherever you're at. Kyle, do you feel that you're hot enough that if you just sit down, the vibes spread, and then eventually somebody's going to ask you what you're doing? Even at my heaviness, have my heaviest now? Absolutely. Got a great face. I'm a cute kid with a great face. <laughs> you get a, this is, this is, uh, no, I love the confidence and it's not inaccurate. He's a cute kid. We've said you, it. Sarudi and I, Sarudi and I have a text thread about it. How, yeah, it's true. Do people come up to you at the bar like ever? Or are you just kind of. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. And it's not even like I'm, I'm not even just looking for girls. Sometimes I'm looking for like a surly 45 year old guy who's just going to bitch to me about his problems. Not like nothing sexual. I see your face. No, no, no. I just mean like <laughs> just I'm just meeting people like this guy's a character. He's a fucking character. And he's about to go over to that jukebox and play some Billy Joel, like some sad Billy Joel right now. Like, I don't know. I just uh, I appreciate all types of experiences from friendship to I'll never see this guy again. But that was fucking funny to this girl's hot. Like I that's 
I just appreciate being somewhere new like that and just getting the lay of the land. Road trip, Kyle. I I want to hang out with that guy. Uh, I, the only thing is, are, you're not annoyed by like a random guy spilling his problems to you at a bar. I would be annoyed by that. Um, no, it's it's happened, and I've moved bars, I've moved seats, um, I've just grit you know grit my teeth and bear it. Sometimes I smoke three cigarettes outside and just decide to walk away. I don't know. It's whatever. I'm a, I'm you know it's not the worst thing in the world, and I'm not talking to anybody. Like the circumstance has to be right. But if you're in a place for an hour or two, chances are, if it's not like a bar where there's like four guys that are always there. If it's a different kind of bar than that, um, it'll be an interesting at least, and it won't be annoying. Okay, uh, last one here. Reluctant wedding singer, six two, or excuse me, six feet two twenty five, and he says the lower torso could use some more. Very specific. Uh, as per usual, none of this pertains to my issue. Okay, a little t- over two years ago, broke up with a girl, been dating for almost two and a half years. Admittedly, I was probably at least a year late on calling it off at the time. So you didn't want to date her for a year of the two and a half. That's a long time, but COVID, people get it. There were several red flags, both uh, with her future plans and personality that would have negatively impacted the long-term relationship that I basically just ignored to try to rationalize. She at least seemed to be incredibly torn up um, about it, when, which made me feel horrible. So he's saying she was torn up, made him feel bad. I felt less horrible when she met another guy within three months and announced a few months after that that they were moving in together. We continued to talk briefly uh, to be friendly after the breakup. But at this point, that basically devolved into sharing the occasional funny text or meme. People, kids love sharing memes. She's getting married next month. Despite our less than great friendship at this point, she wants me to sing one of the songs at the wedding. Are we sure this isn't a movie, Kyle? I can look. I'll look. All right. Don't say weddings here because they didn't break up. They weren't even dating. And Sandler stole it from McNulty, who was really cool in that movie. My life since breaking up hasn't been exactly ideal. A uh, manufacturing engineer over the last two years has become really good at my job, which unfortunately just leads to me more uh, working more because problems are the only constant in manufacturing. I read wool. I get it. Um, and I know how to fix a lot of these problems. But being a single guy, no kids, uh, I have a hard time leaving those problems at the end of the day because I don't have the typical family-related excuses to attend to. In a typical week, I'll work 55 hours or more, which typically includes a couple of 12-hour days. I want to find a new job, preferably one, that moves me out to the southeast. A lot of people like the American Southwest, but he wants to go to the southeast. So because of that, I've been basically on the outside fringes of the dating world. I've downloaded the occasional swiping app. But even when I match with somebody, I always end up bailing because I'm afraid I'll get stuck in a relationship that gets me more stuck in my current job. Geographical situation, I talk myself out of even going on a date. So all that to say this, I'm genuinely happy that she's okay getting on with life, but I obviously don't want to have my face rubbed in it. The wedding's on a Sunday, which is already off-putting because I have to be up early Monday for work. And then there's this singing some song about love at your ex's wedding. She never really asked me if I I would do it. She just said that she had a song for me to sing at the wedding soon after telling me she was getting married. Since there's no way I want my, I'd want my partner's ex singing at my wedding, and I wouldn't want my ex singing either unless I was, for some reason, trying to be vindictive about it. I figured she'd backtrack on that at some point, but here we are less than a month away, and it's still on. If I back out now, it's obviously going to affect our wedding day, but this entire thing is, but if this entire thing is just to kind of passively shove how well she's doing in my face, I don't really feel bad about that. Am I overthinking this? Yes. Should I just suck it up, knock the song out of the park and try to get laid off? Um, Try to get laid off of the performance. Wait, 
Yeah, like yeah, a girl yeah. at the wedding is like, oh my God, did you see that guy singing? Oh, I didn't Taking expect him, him to phrase it that way because I thought we were back to work. He, he wants to get yeah. laid off from engineering. Oh, he's acting about, oh, right. Okay, here we go. Um, I think if you sing at this wedding, you're a fucking idiot. You don't want to do it. Um, There's some stuff going on in this email that doesn't, well, it makes a little bit of sense. Again, not a licensed therapist, but I would think if a licensed therapist, somebody who's done this for a living, would listen to the way you've described a couple things here. There might be something going on, man. And what I mean by that is, and it's not like, you know, five, five alarms here, but you keep saying, you know, obviously I don't want my face rubbed in it. And then if this entire thing is just to passively shove how well she's doing in my face, um, but then you say, I don't really feel bad about that. But you you bring it up a couple times when you admit you didn't want to date her. You broke up with her. She was bummed out about it. Which, again, if you care about somebody, even if you don't want to date him, it's it's always kind of tough when they're really upset about something, right? So we get that human nature part, which is great. It shows you you have a heart. I don't know why you care about any of this at all. And I, I don't. I mean, I get texting with an ex here or there, checking in. Hey, how's it going? All right, fine. But singing at their wedding... No way. Zero. Zero percent chance. And like you saying, kind of kiddingly, I imagine at the end, like, hey, maybe I smash this. And then next thing you know, you know, we're talking we're talking grown up moves. But uh, why would you want to be at a wedding with somebody that you don't even seem to care about at all? Or if you even suggested that it's something else more um, uh, malicious in, in that she's trying to do this to like show show you up a little bit like deep down man, deep down, nobody really knows what the hell we're doing, right? Like deep down, I can be really close to Shruti, but I may not know in the deepest darks of his brain how he's wired. You know, we all have kind of these secrets where we could be motivated by things. So if she were actually thinking like, hey, I'm going to do this, I'm going to have my ex sing because he dumped me and I was bummed out, but now I'm going to show him. Like, why would you even entertain being this? I can't believe you wrote the email is my point. Like you are smart enough, clearly, as you write this thing, why would you even allow yourself to be in this kind of position? So I would just say straight up, look, work Monday. I didn't really, you know, like, obviously, like, do you even care? Like, you're not ruining her wedding. You singing at her wedding is not the crescendo of the weekend's events. <laughs> so I, I'm, yes, you're overthinking it. I can't believe you even let it go this far. And I'm emphatic, like emphatic no don't do it because there's no indication you've given throughout any of this of why you want to do it other than impressing some women that are at the wedding and then you're you're banking on that working out for you. I can't help you with the job thing. I don't understand the engineering world. But I I don't know, man. You're clearly a very smart guy and you called it off. And if it's a revenge thing, then don't go. Um, if you wanted to go, I'd say go. You've never indicated once that you even want to go to this thing. So I don't even know why you're emailing us. But go ahead, Saruti. Uh, <laughs> there's just there's just a lot there. I would say you should never be singing at your ex's wedding. Wedding, let alone I don't even think you should really go if you're the dude who's marrying him, her too. By the way, like if you're like the guy who is the groom in this situation, why would you, would you be okay with an ex, your ex singing, your ex's significant other singing at their at your own wedding? That would be a disastrous situation. How has nobody on her side stopped this from happening to begin with? It shouldn't even have got to, to this guy in the first place. Uh, I, I I don't even know what to say, Ryan. I think every, what you said was right. I don't know why you would sing unless, you know, you want to get back at her or something. But 
The idea that she would be inviting you to sing at her own wedding to get back at you two is completely fucked as well. So I don't, I don't even know what to think right now. Kyle, you ever sing at a wedding? No, only been to one wedding. Hope to go to another one soon. Um, <laughs> You've only nice. been to one? Yeah, yeah, we've been over this. I was like 10, my auntie. Um, so a couple of things. A, this guy's not a career wedding singer, right? The, the name is just, he said he's an engineer or something, right? Yeah. You know, it's a great point, Kyle. It's why you're always so good at this. Because like, I, I double checked again to make sure this wasn't from Bruno Mars. Because, you know, you're like, oh, okay. Although I doubt he would listen to this show. If this guy's one of the all-time performers, then maybe she's selfishly like, hey, I want this guy singing at my wedding. I don't even care about all the weird dynamics because I know him and I can get him to sing. Um, I had somebody ask me to get Dirk Bentley for their wedding. And I go, look, we usually talk once a year and I go to a show. There's a really good chance I'm never going to ask him to play at your wedding because we met each other in college 25 years ago. Like that's, that's probably not going to happen, but keep going, Kyle. I, I just, because it's a great observation. Like unless this guy is just the crooner of all crooners, um, what's the motivation to have like, all right, Hey, cool. You're pretty good. Base two, classically trained. I get that as well as anybody. Yeah. Was she, was she like saying that in their weird, probably inappropriate text messages to each other that their husband, that her husband wouldn't approve of. And then he was just like, yeah, I mean, fuck it. I'll sing at your wedding. Like LOL. And now it's like going down. And then I guess the other thing I was saying is when he said yes. Yeah. Right. And then the other thing I would say, all three people involved would be done the favor by him not going to this wedding. Uh, Was it always like from the jump? Was he always going to go? And then she was just like, you should totally sing a song at at my wedding. Like if you, if if you are always going to go to the wedding, I don't know, maybe just say fuck it and do it and see what happens. But if like, if you're not ever really interested in going and uh, the husband's probably not, uh, privy to any of this if not most of it like it might just be better to stay the fuck home dude watch some nfl the only thing he i'm thinking he's going maybe the engineering part hey i'm an engineer working all the time this is the only social thing i'll get to do but he even says (laughs) in the email and it's sunday and i have to work on monday you don't want to go you don't really talk to her reason number two You've never indicated at any point you actually are looking forward to do this. The only reason you said was potentially somebody would think you were so good at singing that you would, and I would say you were a little, little aggressive in that description for this podcast. Uh, I don't, I don't even know why, you know what I mean? Like you answered your own question three or four different times here. So I don't know that there's a ton to add to this one. If he's, by the way, his one, the one thing he said, oh, I could go there and I can get laid. Right. That's, that was the only redeeming quality of going and singing at this wedding. Uh, if he's a really great singer, chances are he doesn't need to go to this wedding to get laid in the first place, too. So why? None of this makes sense to me. Karaoke night, dude. Go find one. Yeah, there you go. Test her out. Test out Funny those pipes. Hanging out. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I've been to some of those karaoke deals where they're really good, and it's it's. I think it's a turnoff. Like I went to that karaoke thing at that Chinese restaurant uh, in West, West Hartford, Hartford, and that was. I got dragged to that one night, and that was one of the most intense performances I've ever seen. And I'm talking like concerts that I've been to. And I, it's, it's in this suburban stretch of West Hartford. It's Butterfly, right? Yeah. And you roll in. And I don't know if it's like the Hartford, uh, like the Yuha University Hartford theater kids are in there. And then it was like a bunch of ESPN people. And it's like the ESPN people that are on TV. It's like you, you're on TV and you're still doing this. And then it was just, no, I don't mean like you're, if you're on TV, you shouldn't be doing karaoke, but it was like, it wasn't karaoke. That was the ultimate whip it out, 
and I'm going to show you this ultimate performance. People were sweating like crazy. And I rolled in because it was like a heavy ESPN night in there one night. And, and it, you know, look, sometimes when you're stuck in West Hartford, people be like, hey, we're doing this thing. And everybody be like, you know what? This is good. Granted, I was way too old at that point. So it was over. But I was like, this is the most intense singing I think I've ever seen. And I've seen take six live. I've seen some people at Butterfly that, you know, they're the kind of people that would complain about their like uh, American Idol audition not going the right way. Like that's yeah. how seriously they take it. And that's Perfect. that's when you know it's not actually fun. Like, you know, this is supposed to be like, you know, C minus singers in here trying to have a good time after a couple beers. But let's say you have pipes. Isn't song choice in point isn't song choice important? Like were you were this like was this like November rain? Like what was going on in there? No, was dude, like there a was a queen. Song? I think I think they did Bahom Bohemian Rhapsody and they had different people in different corners of oh the restaurant. Oh my god. Pinging it off of each other no while way. people were like in the center of it. And that wasn't anyone from ESPN. That yeah. was that was theater group. Yeah, like loosely choreographed. Like just way too much time put into it. It was in it was for West Hartford for a West Hartford uh, Chinese restaurant. You got like one sip of a V sodes in you, and you're just going, What is this? This is people are just dripping sweat. Mm. And uh that was that was that was uh, West Hartford Nightlife for you. Okay, that's the podcast. Thank you to Kyle Whitehawk Crichton, Steve Cerruti, and we've got a keep to leave this week. So make sure you subscribe, rate, review to Rhyme or Slow Podcast, Ring, and Spotify.